Happy Mother's Day. It's kind of a fun, it's, it's, a, it's a fun holiday in many ways. Um, I, I always enjoy Mother's Day, but it makes me, makes me think about and reflect on um, uh, just parenthood in general. Um, we've, got, we've got four, we've, we've got four daughter, daughters, Cheryl and I. And, um, and uh, when, we, when we were pregnant with Olivia, uh, we started to think this question. I don't know if you've thought this yourself, but um, uh, how are they going to turn out? <laughs> Will things work out okay? Will they actually uh, grow up to be healthy, uh, well-adjusted, um, uh, will they do the right thing? For us, one of the questions was, uh, will they believe in Jesus? Will they put their faith in him? Where Will they experience the joy of salvation that we have experienced? And so, um, you know, especially for this, this day uh, of Mother's Day, we, we asked this question, uh, what will... Um, what will we pass on to the next generation? And, and will, it, will it last? Will, will this generation that is behind us uh, grow up to hold on to what is good, to hold on to what is true? Will they uh, have a heritage um, will what they have be uh, an authentic and genuine uh, reality? Will they experience what it really means to have a good, good home? We want that for our kids. We want that for all generations. And whether, whether you have children or not, I know you look at the, the, the generation that's growing up behind you and you wonder what's what's going on there what kind of world are are we going to have in 10 years 20 years time when we leave this life what will this world be like what will this generation do i want to encourage you with actually one verse of scripture this morning it's one verse and it's in one of the letters in the New Testament, the second letter of Paul to a, a young man in ministry named Timothy. It's 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Uh, if, you, if you have a hard time finding it in your Bibles, somebody near you can give you a, a hint uh, to, as to where to find that. And it's also right here on the, on the screen. And I'll read it aloud if you will follow along with me. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. It says this, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I pray that this morning as I, as I uh, bring the message that you have for us to hear this morning, that it will comfort, encourage, challenge us even, maybe, but uh, more than anything, cause us to, to seek 
you to, uh, to uh, pursue you in greater ways for the power that we need to enable raising faith. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. This, uh, this short letter in near the back of the New Testament, we sometimes just simply refer to it as 2 Timothy because it's the second letter that Paul, the apostle, wrote to Timothy. Paul, the apostle, uh, was a man who was essentially a, a church planter started churches, or, or we, sometimes we refer to him as a, as a missionary. In fact, one of the greatest missionaries and church planters that ever, that ever lived. And he was all over the, the, the Greco-Roman world of the first century, um, planting churches, sharing the gospel of Jesus, telling them in all kinds of different ways and in all kinds of different contexts about Jesus and about the difference that Jesus could make in their lives. And at one point, he came to a little town and he met a, a group of believers there. And, and we find this in, in Acts ch chapter 16. He met a young man named Timothy. He met this man named Timothy who had a believing mother, it said. But his father was a Greek. Um, Timothy was a good Jewish boy. Belonged to a good Jewish family. But the Jewish mother had put her faith in Jesus who himself was a Jew, if you know your history, put, his, put her faith in Jesus and then passed on that, that faith to her young son, Timothy. Uh, Timothy had a father who was a Greek. And probably what they mean by the description of him in Acts chapter 16 is that her, his father didn't believe. Now, there were many Greeks who did believe. And they probably would have mentioned that he was a believer. But at the time, they said he's, he, he's a Greek. Um, probably he didn't have the same kind of faith as his wife had. So Timothy learned his faith, learned about Jesus from his mother. And then when we read this letter here, Paul's writing to Timothy, encouraging Timothy um, about many things. And he says that his grandmother, Lois, was also a believer. That was a source of the faith. It dwelt in his grandmother and mother and now is in Timothy himself. Um, I want to say a few things about this, but I wanted to kind of give you just that, that little background so you kind of understand maybe where Paul is coming from and maybe we'll see a little bit more of that relationship between Paul and Timothy uh, in a moment as I explain a few things from this text. But, but I want you first to hear this, that the substance or the, 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 the nature of raising faith is authentic. Authentic. Um, the 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 excuse me. The verse here that we are looking at. He says this. I am reminded of your sincere faith. How many of you, uh, when you hear the word sincere, um, think something like this? Like he really meant it, right? I mean, he, it was like something that he really or she really believed. Like I sincerely hope you do this or that, or. Well, they may be wrong, that person may be wrong, but, you know, they're pretty sincere about it. And, you know, that, we, hear, we hear that word sincere. Uh, and that's not quite, I think, what Paul had in mind. 
the actual, the, the word itself, maybe literal, a more literal way of putting it would be genuine or authentic. Authentic. Uh, it's real. It re it's real faith. How do you know if somebody has real faith? Well, you know it's real if it lasts, right? How do you know if what young people experience as love is real? It's going to last, right? And it sometimes doesn't. And I go, I'm in love. And then a couple weeks later, I'm not in love. I'm in love with someone else. And I'm not in love anymore. And we go, well, I don't know if that was sincere love. I'm not sure that was authentic love. Well, that's, what Paul, that's how Paul meant it anyway. He meant it was something real, true, genuine. It was going to last. The substance of raising faith is authentic. Um, this is in stark contrast to the people that Paul was dealing with. As he would go on his missionary journeys, there would be people that would, that would go, oh, that sounds great, Paul. We love that message. It sounds good. And they would accept it, and they would believe it. And then months, weeks, maybe years, they would abandon it. In fact, they wouldn't just abandon it and say, ah, we don't need that anymore. They said, actually, we think Paul is full of bupkis and we're going we're gonna to try to destroy him and his ministry in whatever means we can. They didn't just become uh, uh, unbelievers, but they became opponents or enemies. And, and Paul wrote to Timothy about these, these in his first letter. He said, you know, watch out for these guys. Hold firm to the faith. And, and, and let me drop some names here. This guy abandoned me. And this guy, watch out for this guy. Because, man, he really tried to, tried to get me. But Paul talks about this sincere or authentic, genuine faith in contrast to these opponents of Paul's. The people who are coming against them. People who are trying to discourage the ministry. And he's saying, Timothy, what you have is real. What you have is real. And it was real in your grandmother Lois. It was real in your mother Eunice. We don't know by this, at this point when Paul wrote the letter if maybe his grandmother had already passed away, had already died. We don't know if his mother was still living either. We don't know that. We just know that whatever faith they had, they had it to the very end. It was genuine, authentic faith. It lasted. It was real. I don't know about you, but I am so encouraged. Um, one of the verses I love in the New Testament is in a very, very short letter. It's the third letter of John. And verse 4 says this, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the faith. Now, now, check this out. John, when he wrote that, was a very old man. When he was referring to his children, he wasn't just thinking about his own, maybe, sons or daughters. He was thinking about all of the people he loved, all of the people he'd served, all of the people he'd shared Jesus with, all of those who had grown up and matured in the faith because of his service, his ministry, his love, his compassion, his teaching. He thought of those and he, was, and he, and he had, had no greater joy than to hear that their children were walking in the faith. Um, I love it when I see that joy, I see that, that growth, I see that um, maturation 
tapping in in my daughters. I love to hear them say, say some insight that they have um, about something um, to do with the Lord or, or they're reading something in their Bibles or they're even reading it just in general. I'm like, oh, you, good, good. I'm glad you were reading your Bible. And then have you done this as a parent? And you walk away like, yes, yes, yes. You know? <laughs> Right? Um, you hear some good news. You, hear, you, you see a sign that there's genuine faith there and you want to encourage it. You want to nurture it. It's like those little cherry trees that are in my backyard. I, 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 I took out all of the grass around it, took out the turf, and I, and I watered it and I put good soil on it and I, I put uh, food, you know, whatever, miracle grow stuff on it and I make sure it gets watered every day and I'm trimming it and pruning it. I want it to grow. And I see a little, a little bit of growth out there and I've got like a host of cherries on these, these three-year-old cherry trees and I'm, I'm out there going, go, grow, you can do it. I'm talking to my trees. I know, I know that's. I know I probably shouldn't talk to my trees, but, but that's what it's like with our 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 children, though, or others we're we're discipling, we're we're sharing the gospel with, and we hear a little glimpse of something, and we go, yes, go, grow, keep growing. This is great. This is exciting. We love it because we want to nurture that authentic faith. That's what raising faith is all about. Seeing the substance of raise, raising faith that is authentic. How about you? You may have children at home. You may have children that are grown. You may not have children at all. I don't know where you're at. I don't know how it's going with you. But are you passing on authentic faith to the next generation? How are you doing that? Is that, is that real faith? First of all, is that, is that faith real in you? Is it genuine and authentic in your own heart and in your own life? And are you passing that on to the next generation? Are you going to give them, pass on a heritage of authentic faith? Well, that's the next thing because we see that, that the effect of raising faith is heritage. The effect is heritage. So, so we saw the faith. We see here in this verse that the faith dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. It was a heritage passed on from his grandmother and his mother. We also see that that, that heritage it goes beyond familial relationships. It goes beyond familiar, familial relationships. Let me show you something. Um, just back up. If you have your Bibles, you can back up just a few verses to verse 2. And see what Paul says in verse 2. He says, To Timothy, my beloved child. My beloved child or my, my beloved son. In the first letter to Timothy, the, the first letter to Timothy, very first chapter, second verse of the first letter to Timothy, he calls Timothy, uh, he calls him my, where is it? It's, I wrote it down somewhere. Oh, no, it's, it's, I'll just have to flip back because I want to say it, it, I want to get it right. He says, Timothy, my true child or son in the faith. My true child in the faith. He says, beloved child. He says, true child in the faith. Why would Paul say this about Timothy? 
Timothy had a, had a father, or at least he, he did at one point. Again, we don't know what happened to his father. We don't have a record of, of if, his, if his father was still living at this time or not. And maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. But Paul considered himself a father to Timothy. Why? Because Paul had nurtured Timothy. Paul had taught him. Paul had showed him how to live the Christian life. Um, I don't know uh, what kinds of things you learned from your father. One of the things I learned from my father was um, how to throw a baseball. <laughs> uh, how to throw a curveball. Careful on that young elbow, okay, kids? Be careful about throwing those curveballs. Um, showed me how to throw a slider. Showed me how to throw a knuckleball. He showed me how to fish. Um, he, I think he probably showed me how to throw a spiral, too, with a football. And he showed me how to shoot baskets. He, my dad was really good at shooting baskets. And um, so he taught me a lot of things. He showed me those things, right? Um, Paul was a father to Timothy. Paul showed Timothy how to follow Jesus, how to read the Bible, how to be a disciple, how to tell other people about Jesus. He, he, he was a father to Timothy, a spiritual father to Timothy, a father in the faith. And we see that um, Paul himself left a heritage to Timothy, and Paul himself received a heritage as well. Notice in verse um, 3, if you would look at 2 Timothy 1 verse 3, just a couple verses um, back from where we're looking today, he says, I thank my God whom I serve as did my ancestors. Or another way to translate that is my fathers. My fathers serve the Lord. And I do too. And I think Paul's thinking not just his literal ancestors in, in the Jewish uh, faith, but he's also thinking about those who followed Jesus and put their faith in Jesus ahead of Paul. The, the, the ones who encouraged Paul in the faith. Paul had an encourager. In fact, he had a son of an encourager. Because, well, that was what the man's name meant. Barnabas, son of encouragement. Paul had a Barnabas in his life who encouraged him in his faith when he came to Christ. And I think Paul's thinking about all these relationships. He's thinking about the effect of raising faith. It's a heritage. It's a heritage. Jesus said something really unique and really important in um, the Gospels. Well, he said a lot of really important things. But this one thing I want to point out to you in Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. And in a short pa paragraph, verses 46 to 50, and if you're taking notes, you can jot this down and look at it later. Matthew 12, verses 46 to 50, some people come to him and say, Hey, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are outside and they want to talk to you. And Jesus asked the man a question. Jesus always asked people questions. They would say something to him or they'd ask him a question and he'd go, He'd, he'd go right back with another question. And so he said this, Who is my mother and my brothers? Hmm. And then he answered it for them. And he pointed at all of his disciples, men, women, who were listening to him, who were learning from him, and he said, These are my mother and my brothers. 
He said this, For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my, mo- is my brother and sister and mother. Um, I, I mentioned that because, because it doesn't matter what your relationship, family relationships are. You may be all alone right now. You don't, there's no one living with you at home. Um, you don't have kids to take care of. Uh, I don't know what your situation is. But no matter what, there are people in your life that you can be a mother, a grandmother to, a friend, a mentor to. There's somebody in your life that you can be that too. You can pass on that authentic faith to others. You can, you can leave a heritage of faith to the people around you. In a book, um, in, a, in a couple of books, one called, a book called Soul Searching, another book called Souls in Transition, uh, a study, it, the, the two books basically follow a study of young people, first teenagers, and then those, those young adults, those, those teenagers in transition between 18 and 24. The, the study... Um, they did a study of these children who were in religious homes, homes that had faith, homes that had some kind of connection to the church or connection to God. And they studied them and they interviewed them over the course of years. And they followed their lives. And many of them, when they got older, when they got older teenagers, or when they moved out of the house, they, they departed from the church. They left their faith or they transitioned into another faith and then maybe that wasn't good enough and they, they left. They, 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 they studied these, these young people and they wanted to know what's going on. How do young people hold to their faith? And, and they found a lot of things that are very insightful. But there are two things that they noticed about the, the, the young people that at the, at the point they were studying them were already into young adulthood. And they wondered why these particular young people were still in their churches. They were still holding to the faith that they grew up with. And a couple things they found. They found that children and young people and young adults who are... are, are well, encouraged or drug to, maybe you could put it that way, to church, they stay in church. That's an interesting thing. Those who are encouraged to be a part, to participate in the community, church attendance, worship gatherings, um, other, other types of church um, gatherings like that, that even when they went into adulthood, that they retained their faith. And they retain that connection to their church. The other thing that they found, among many others, is parental involvement. Have you gotten to the point where, like, our, we have young, young girls, or we have teenagers right now, and we're almost to the point where we're thinking, uh, maybe we've just taught them everything we can teach them, and maybe we ought to just let them go. I mean, it's just too frustrating. Just go. Just do your thing. Well, they found that parents who stayed involved with their kids in their lives, invested in their lives, and, and put their, their uh, or made that an intentional aspect of their, their uh, child rearing all the way through 
the point where their children are leaving the home and they stayed involved, they stayed connected, they stayed invested, that those, those young people stayed in the churches. That they, too, held on to that authentic faith, they had that heritage, and they stuck with it. If you want to leave a heritage, I think it's probably a good thing to do. Bring your children to church. <laughs> Bring your children to other activities that the church is involved in. Invest your lives in your children all the way through. It's tough. It's really tough. We didn't know that raising teenagers was going to be as hard as it is. It's a challenge. It's a wonderful challenge. It's a joy. There's so much reward for it. But we don't experience that without being invested. And so we try as hard as we can to stay invested. How about you? Are you investing in a Timothy? Uh, invest in your children? And those of you who are looking around going, okay, who are, who's my, who are my children? Who, who am I going to leave a heritage to? Invest in them. Find that person. Identify them. Invest in a Timothy in your life. Pass on faith, raising faith that is a heritage. And the final thing I want to show you from this passage right here is that the power, the power of raising faith is in home. The power of raising faith is in home. You might think, well, isn't, isn't that what we've been talking about? You know, like, you got your kids, they live with you, they're in your home. Okay, so what's it? Well, look with me. Let me, let me show you what I mean. He says this. He says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. Dwelt. Uh, we don't use that term very often, do we? But it means simply made a home for. <laughs> The, 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 root, the root of that word, in fact, is the root for home or house or household, even. Sometimes it's translated that way in the New Testament. In other words, this, this idea of dwelling is to live, to be present, to, to make a home. Elsewhere in the Bible, this, or in the New Testament, and this word only occurs about four or five other times like this, and elsewhere it refers to the Holy Spirit making a home in believers, dwelling in believers. It, it talks about God making His home with the people that love Him and He loves, dwelling with them. It, it talks about the Word, the Word of Christ, Christ, the gospel message, dwelling in believers, living in them, making a home in them. Jesus here is the key to that. Because this, this, uh, this, this faith, uh, you, can, you, can, you can make a home, you can focus on home, your own home, how you want it to be comfortable, you want it to be welcoming, you want there to be love there, you can, you can put the knickknacks up or the little, the little signs that you know, God bless this home and home sweet home and all of that stuff and that's wonderful, there's nothing wrong with that. But the power of raising faith is in the indwelling 
of Jesus in your home. That's where the power is. If you want your, the next generation, children and others, other Timothys in your life to have authentic faith, to have a heritage of faith, they need the power of Jesus dwelling in them. Well, where, do I, where does that come from? I'll show you. You might be wondering. I don't see any power. I don't even see Jesus in verse 5. Well, Paul, Paul, the way he writes, um, you can't say it all at one time, but he comes around to it, to what's important. And he says it in this. Look at verse 7 with me if you have your Bibles. He says, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power. He gave us a spirit of power. And then in verse 8 he says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. What Lord? He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about the power of the testimony of Jesus. And he goes on and on in the next paragraph. He talks about, I'm not ashamed for I know whom I have believed. I am convinced that He's able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. He says, follow the pattern of the sound words that you heard from me and of the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells, makes His home within us by the power of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you, the gospel that is entrusted to you. Our homes can be authentic uh, places of, uh, of faith. Our homes can be a heritage of faith if we have the power of Jesus Himself in every area of our life. I'm going to go on public record um, right now saying how much I appreciated my own mother, mom, as I call her, and uh, to say that I appreciate the heritage she gave me. She was a Eunice to me. My father was a, was a Paul to me, my own father. He wasn't an unbeliever. He believed, and he was a Paul to me. He nurtured me as well in the faith. But I remember my own mom's encouragement. And I said, I don't feel like reading my Bible, even as a young boy or as an as a older boy or as a, you know adolescent young man. I don't feel like reading my Bible. It's, it's tough. There's, there's parts of it that are really hard. I don't understand. And she said that she would say this to me, and I think she said it more than one time because I remember it. And she said, well, you know what I do when that happens to me because it happens to me too? I pray. I say, God, give me a hunger for the Bible. Give me a desire, a want to, to read your word. And then she says, you know what? I pray for that, and then I go into the Bible, and then I do it. And he always makes it worth it. He always speaks to me. He always increases my joy in him, increases my peace. He always gives me what I need the moment I need it. She always encouraged me to that. And she did encourage me to memorize Scripture. I remember memorizing Psalm 1 together as a, as a family. Uh, my 
kids, and my mom was our primary motivator in that because she was in the home um, all the time. And I remember her encouraging us to memorize Psalm 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does he prospers. Not so, or the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, he says, Psalm 1 says, the, the, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord watches over. No, the Lord knows. <laughs> One of the translations says watches over, but the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And I remember memorizing that, and that's why it's so hard now to memorize it in some different translation, because I've got those original words in my heart from when I memorized it as a child. And I remember memorizing those, those, that kind of stuff. I remember memorizing um, 1 Corinthians 13 and, and various other verses all over the Bible and putting that in my heart. And it grew there. It became authentic faith. It became for me a heritage that I can pass on to my daughters and to the other Timothys in my life. And it only happened because my mom said, I am going to invite Jesus into every area of my home. Not just for me personally. It's not just for my own life. My own whatever. Um, let my kids grow up. They'll find their own way. I want them to be able to make their own decisions. She said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to invest in my little Timothy's. I'm going to invite Jesus into that area of my home and in all of our activities. That was where the power was. That was where the power was. Are you inviting Jesus into every area of your home? It might start with just your own life and your own heart. There may be parts of your heart that they're, they're under your control still. They're under your domain uh, maybe you've built fences up around it or walls up or there, if you think of your heart as a, as a house, there may be rooms that are shut up and Jesus may walk by that door and say, hey, what about this? And you say, oh, nothing to see there. That's just, don't worry about G that. And Jesus says, I want to be in every part of your life. I, I, I want to he heal every part of your life. I want to clean up every part of your life. I want you to know the joy from having everything touched by my power. Are you inviting Jesus into every area of your own heart? And how about in your own home? With your children, with all of your activities? Is the power of raising faith in every aspect of your life? That's what, that's what Jesus wants to do. He's not making demands on you. He's not trying to enslave you. He's trying to give you freedom for the other stuff that's enslaving each and every one of us. We all want to um, do what's last, right? To, or to do what we do and have it last, right? Right? We want to be able to pass on something so that the generations behind us will have something good, something True, something sincere and genuine and authentic, right? We want them to have a heritage. 
In Christ, we have that heritage. In Christ, we have something that will last beyond our lives, beyond our children's lives. It will last forever because of the power of Christ in us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I, God, I pray right now that you will allow us the grace to respond today in the way that you would have us to respond, to give our lives and our hearts to you in a way that, God, maybe we've never done before. Father, I, I thank you for challenging me I thank you for working in my own heart, my own life this week, reminding me of the heritage that I've received and the responsibility, uh, a challenging responsibility that I have to pass it on to my girls and to the Timothys in my life that you have led me to. Father, I thank you that you don't just issue a challenge and say go do this and you better get it right you are good and our father in heaven is a good good father and so you don't just leave us to to fend for ourselves and to get it all worked out and somehow be good enough no Jesus you came you came to live among us. You came to live a perfect, sinless life in our place. You died for us. A death that, that should have been ours because our sins separate us from you and, and we, we deserve eternal separation and death apart from you because of our sins. But God, you, you came. Jesus came to live for us, to die for us, to rise again from the dead, to conquer death in our lives so that we would have that power to live the way you would have us to live so that by your grace we fall on you and just humbly ask you to do something in our lives and in our families that only you can do and you give us the power to do that, the power to pass on an authentic heritage of raising faith. Be with us, each one, who are raising faith right now in our own homes, in our own lives, and the people around us. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.